Father, we're grateful for your many blessings to us. Lord, we are fully aware and acknowledge that we enjoy those blessings because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're thankful that we can come into thy presence, that we can take thy word and read it, and you've given the Holy Spirit to help us in understanding it and applying it. We're thankful that your word means something to us. It's not just a book. We're thankful that we can come and worship. We pray that you would help us this day to worship the aright. Lord, may it be a good day. It's thy day. It should be a good day for all of thy people. Lord, we trust that it will be so for all of our group here. And Lord, for thy, thy church throughout the world. Lord, come and be with us here this day, we ask. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, if you'll take your Bibles, or if you want to uh, recite it with me in your head as we go, the whole point of this is to help us learn the memory passage, become acquainted with it. Uh, it's our memory passage for this Sabbath school year. Matthew 6, beginning with verse 19, familiar passage. And, and in many ways, goes right along with the commandment we're working on. Uh, all the, several of the commandments, but certainly the one we're considering, the eighth. But verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. I'll stop there just a minute. Isn't that an interesting thought? The light, if the light that's in you is darkness. Interesting. Obviously, what's, what the light's coming from. The light that is in thee be darkness. How great is that darkness? I mean, t verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet, I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, 
which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Good. Good word. Good word in the time that we're living. Uh, concerns, a lot that you hear and read, has to do with tomorrow. And, uh, and, and we, as Christians, and we'll see, there's a requirement that we consider tomorrow. But not that we get so concerned with it that we, in our concern, lay aside God's providence and God's care. Uh, we, we take upon ourselves things that we have no control over. At least we try to take upon ourselves. We worry about things. We get concerned about things. We have no control over. You can't add to your life. You can't add to your height. You can't add to anything there. God knows what we have need of. And he'll provide as long as. And, and the other side of that, as long as we're being responsible and doing what he would have us to do. Um, so, all right. Back to the Eighth Commandment, not to steal. We finished up our thing on giving. I want to start with the, and I'm, we're on question 141, the duties required in the Eighth Commandment. And I'm going to pick up with uh, the, the, as it were, the footnote six, a provident care and study to get keep, use, and dispose, and in your book, if you're looking at it, 478, it's those things, not these things, and dispose those things which are necessary and convenient for the sustaining, sustentation of our nature and suitable to our condition. Now, that's 6 and 7. But 6, six gives to us an obligation. If you look at your, um, your proof text there, First uh, Timothy 5, 8, but if any provide not for his own. Now that word provide is a word that, that reflects a consideration in advance. All right? You, you're, you're considering things before they're upon you. You're giving thought. So that's where I was just talking about with the passage we were just considering. There is an obligation to not simply, as it were, live for the moment relative to life in general, right? Uh, if you are single, uh, you have some flexibility to live a little more that way, probably. If you are married, you now have a spouse, and you have obligations. So you don't get up and... Um, and, and uh, it's time for breakfast, and no one's bought groceries, 
no one's worked to have money to buy groceries, and we haven't bought the groceries, and what are we going to eat, and okay, let's just, uh, I don't know what we'll do. No. You think. You plan. You give consideration. Okay, we're going to need this for the week or whatever, just general good planning, and you act accordingly. Uh, and that's the idea, if any provide not for his own, there is here a, a consideration of uh, what, is, what is going on and what you need to be doing. If you have children, now that need to provide, to, to plan, to consider, grows even more. If, you are a, if you're an owner of a company, you don't show up at work and say, hmm, now what do I want all 50 of my employees to do today? No. You're planning way in advance so that things run properly and smoothly. You don't make profits and say, you know what, I think I'll take a month off. Well, what about those 50 employees? What do they do? Well, they can take the month off too, yeah, but maybe they weren't planning on taking the month off. And because you now have the wherewithal to take time off, you still have an obligation. You still have an obligation to plan, right? If things are seasonal, if your work is seasonal, you don't, in, in, the, in the good times, you don't say, hmm, doing okay? Think I'll go buy a new vehicle or do this or do that without thinking, you know what? In six months, things are not going to be as prosperous. So I've got to be planning ahead of time, right? That's the idea of providing here. If, but if any provide not for his own, and specifically for those of his own house, uh, he hath denied. The idea of denial is uh, a con he's, he's contradicted or he's, he's disavowed um, the faith. And it's worse than an infidel. The infidel there is an is an un, word for an unbeliever or someone without faith. All right. So again, now we're in our context of. I mean, there's a lot of applications here. Keep it in our context of the eighth commandment, not to steal. So as the Lord enables, we've talked about this. What you then do to meet the needs. And if you deal foolishly with what the Lord gives you, such that you don't provide for those that you have an obligation to provide for, you effectively have stolen from them. Right? Pretty serious. And you've stolen, as it were, again, from God. For as God entrusts things to you, be it money, be it material things, whatever it is, as God entrusts those things to you, you misuse them. Now you have taken, you've breached, as it were, if I put it in civil terms, you've breached a, a, a fiduciary duty. All right? You've been entrusted with something that really wasn't intended to be yours. It was intended for you to use for whatever the Lord led you to lead it for. All right? which requires us to think when we get it. But that's the obligation. And, and the, you, you kind of get the context of family here in this verse. Don't limit it to that. 
this is this is in whatever relationship you're in where you have responsibilities or whatever the Lord entrusts to you as you have the obligation to meet needs. Whatever that situation may be, this verse would apply. It's not just, it's not just family by any means. All right? So we have the obligation now. From, from the next several of our little footnotes, um, and... Uh, then let me just, well, seven, seven, eight, nine, several of these are how we, how we carry out this obligation, right? How we carry out this obligation. Seven, I've kind of said diligence and discernment. And you can see those terms uh, in, in, on page 481 of these materials. Uh, seven, Proverbs 27, beginning with verse 23, be thou diligent. To know the state of thy flocks. And look well to thy herds. You know? And again, if you stop and think, well, sure. If you've got a, a, a rancher or you've got someone who is in farming, they don't put the seed out and several months later go out to see, okay, is it time to harvest? Or they don't have their animals out there. And mm, I hope they're eating and hope they're doing okay. You'd say, well, that'd be foolish, just stupid uh, to, to approach doing things that way. Well, <laughs> that's what, that's what uh, Proverbs here is somewhat addressing. You know, be diligent. Be diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. And it goes on. Uh, and in verse 27, and thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance for thy maidens. You see the obligations? First to the self, then to those to whom there are responsibilities by blood, the, the, the household, the spouse, the children, whoever. And then even to those who are your employees, those who work for you, those to whom you also have an obligation to see that their needs are met. And again, you got to be thinking ahead on that. So being diligent and discerning, and you see in, in more of the proof text there, uh, Ecclesiastes, we've looked at this one, there's nothing better for man than that he should eat and drink the necessities of life, right? eating and drinking, uh, and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. To enjoy good in his labor. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3, 12, 13, same thing. Uh, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. And we talked about that. Waking up each day and saying, you know, it's wonderful. God's given me this gift of being able to go to work today uh, and meet my needs and the needs of others. Every day, every day is a gift, but then every day that we have the ability to perform, to do what God's enabled us to do, that's also a gift for which we should be thankful. And, and enjoying, these verses talk about enjoying the good of all his labor. Now that's that's not a 
That's not the idea of self-satisfaction in everything. That is, if, if you enjoy it as a believer, you enjoy it to the fullest as you use it as God intends for it to be used. Right? However that plays out, it may be for self. It may be just to give you some enjoyment and some relaxation or whatever it may be. It may be the satisfaction of seeing that you're meeting, putting food on the table for your family. Right? It may be the joy of simply being able to help a friend or even a stranger. You never know. Right? But that's enjoying the fruit of your labor. Number eight, and I'm not going to hit all these proof texts. Uh, you, you can read through them, and I hope you do. Um, again, it's very revealing. It's, it's where, we, where these commandments spread. We've talked about them being summaries and how you get these commandments to expand so that you get all the application is looking at the proof text and, uh, and considering what they've got here. But eight, eight I kind of labeled being faithful and dependable. Now, let me just, I, I'm not, I don't know that 1 Corinthians 7.20 uh, is, is a great proof text here. It certainly looks like it would be, let, but let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Well, okay, if you've got a job, you go and you do your job. But this verse speaks more, the calling speaks more, I think, to salvation than it does a job. Um, and if you look at it, um, and, and, and there are others, again, I mean, like I say, if you just look at it on its face, it looks like it would be good. But um, you look at, I mean, the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31 she sees to what the Lord's given her hand to do, okay? Um, same would be true for men dealing with whatever the Lord's given them to do. Um, and the uh, Proverbs 13, 4 and 11 does a little bit of the same thing. And you look at, they've got uh, Genesis 2, 15's there. Uh, and the Lord, and we've talked about this, the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And God expected, God expected him to do that. All right? It wasn't an option. He gave him a job at the time of creation. Gave him a job to do. Uh, and so the Lord expected him to do that. Paul? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Paul's mentioned, we, we see work, whatever it be, our job, whatever, as a means to get to an end, kind of a, a necessary evil, the, the bad we have to endure to get to the good. Um, but I think, and, and he's saying, our work and what we can enjoy if we enjoy it Doing it and understanding that it's a gift in itself is an end in itself. It has, as it were, byproducts. It, it also is a means to another end, for sure. 
But it's not just that. And there's a lot of satisfaction that comes just in stepping back and saying, you know, that's a job well done. Mark? Kind of like, uh, if I can liken it maybe to a modern day, the way we think sometimes, we talk about people being in Christian work. And, and what do we mean generally by that? Well, if you're a minister or if you're somehow connected with a church doing something or if you teach in a Christian school um, and uh, that's you're in the Lord's work, well, what's everybody else in? All right? Uh, all our work that's honorable, that as a Christian, if we're doing as the Lord would have us to do, is the Lord's work. For it's accomplishing what the Lord would have us to do. Providing for your family is the Lord's work. As much as the, 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 the getting up and preaching in the pulpit. Obviously, different contexts, but both of them are serving the Lord. And so sometimes we, uh, we, we isolate those and, and those that are serving the Lord in given capacities, honoring them and giving them the honor due to them is against scriptural. So nothing wrong with that, but it kind of goes with what uh, Mark was saying within the early church. You didn't have a vocation unless you were somewhat serving in the in the church. You, would that go back to to the Levitical stuff and, and where the Levites were had kind of, you know more of a medieval idea that only if you were a priest, a monk, or a nun, did you have a vocation at least what the actual early church said. I don't know. But the Reformation distancing itself from the Catholic medieval tradition. Okay. Good. Good. Good thought. Charlie? You're, you're serving the Lord. If you're, if you're doing what you should be doing as a Christian, you're serving the Lord. And, um, and you're doing the Lord's work. And, and it puts a wonderful perspective on it. If I understand, you know, whatever you do, do it what? Heartily as unto the Lord, right? So if I'm thinking, now when I'm digging that ditch... How do you dig a ditch heartily as unto the Lord? Because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. It is the job the Lord's given. I'm going to dig the best ditch, and I'm going to give it everything I've got to do what I need to do as quickly and as properly. I'm going to, I'm going to get this job done, and it's going to be as good a job as I can make it be. Right? And I'm going to enjoy doing it. You know, you don't think of digging ditches as being that enjoyable. But we, we all dig ditches in one 
one sense or another just about every day. There's hard stuff and you're all the time doing, okay, well, maybe here's another little challenge. Well, what does that do? It just casts you on the Lord, doesn't it? Lord, I need, I need some help here. I need some wisdom here. I need some strength here, whatever it is. So dealing and doing what the Lord would have us do, being faithful and dependable. Proof text 9 and, and 7 was um, part of what we read with 6. 8 was a lawful calling. That's what we just talked about. Diligence in it. Uh, I, I put industrious for this one. Now, diligence, we've talked about being diligent a couple of the ones ago. But I put industrious here. Um, and our, our proof text, let... Uh, let him that stole still no more, but rather, this is Ephesians 4.28. Let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Proverbs 10.4, you don't uh, deal with a slack hand. If you are diligent, if you are industrious, if you work hard, that's what maketh rich. That's what leads to being able to. Uh, to earn a living, to do what you need to do. Ten, not being wasteful. This is an area that's interesting. Um, the, the, the reference, John six twelve, when they were filled, this was after the feeding of the 5,000, I believe. This was that one. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain. And he said, why? That nothing be lost. And you know, I, you know, with if you've heard the the, the these uh, being preached and whatnot, you know, and they gathered up and and uh, there were this much left. So everybody had plenty. You 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 understood that there was something left over, so people didn't go away hungry. But what do you? I wonder what they did with those baskets. I wonder if they gave one or two of them to the lad who, uh, you know, and, and whatever. If they, if they, maybe they had it and used it for their own sustenance. I don't know. We aren't told, but we're told. Christ said, "I don't. We're not going to throw stuff in the trash here. I don't want bread left out here on the ground." You gather up what's left over that nothing be lost. You know, I, and, and you, when you grow up in hard times or in, in where there's not a lot of wealth in the family, work hard, people are, are doing their best, there's just not a lot. You don't waste anything. You know, if you had a little bit left on your plate, it went in the fridge so you could eat it the next meal. Um, you didn't scrape out a little bit was left fine it was put in a dish and boom somewhere along the way it came back out and you made use of it you just don't throw stuff away you learned if you put it on your plate at least my house uh, when I was growing up if you put it on your plate you're going to eat it now if I put it on your plate and I gave you too much that's on me but if you help your plate and you got too much, 
eat it. We aren't going to throw it out. You don't eat it? Fine. We'll put it in the fridge and you can eat it the next meal. You just didn't throw it away. Throw away, to be perfectly honest. Um, and so, you, you, again, you, you don't be wasteful. And that's with whatever. I mean, we, we live in a country that uh, probably, and, and I'm sure there are numbers and statistics on this, but the food that's thrown away every day would probably feed two or three countries uh, and, and those in them, I mean, without trouble. We, we, are, we are tend to, you know, we, we deal with clothes, we deal with tools, we deal with things. Well, if it wears out, you know, if it, if it gets messed up, well, I just go buy another one. Just throw it away. We, we live in a throwaway mentality in the Western world in many ways. And um, it's not biblical. It's not biblical. God didn't provide, God doesn't provide trash. If I can put it that way. All right? If the Lord's provided, then what am I supposed to be doing with it? And if I'm eating too much, if I'm cooking too much, fine, let's cut back on how much we prepare so that we aren't throwing stuff away. Or let's find somebody to give it to if we've got extra. If we, as opposed to, well, I'll just throw it away. So, again, uh, part of the eighth commandment we're in, Christ says, gather it up that nothing be lost. That nothing be lost. The loss there is uh, destroyed or perish. The idea of, uh, of, of losing it in those manners, destroying it particularly, but perishing as well goes bad. Um, Kind of the idea of, of the manna, the wilderness. You know, you get enough for the today. You don't gather up enough for tomorrow. It'll be there. You, you get tomorrow's tomorrow. But you take today's except for the Lord's day when it came. All right. Um, number 11 is... Avoiding unnecessary lawsuits. Now, Paul obviously wasn't acquainted with good, good attorneys. He, that's obvious here. No. Um, but I, I'm curious. I'm curious. Um, and and the, the proof text we have here is 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 9. That's a very familiar passage to probably many of you. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints and so forth. All right. Now, I'm curious. How many of you, I'm not going to ask you if you, if this is your position, but how many of you have heard, maybe you do believe it, and maybe you haven't heard it, but you believe it. So you can raise your hand as well. But how many of you have heard that a Christian should never sue someone? Okay. Okay. All right. So, and, and I've—I mean, I've heard it. So, uh, you know, that they should never bring a lawsuit against someone. Mark, did you have a? 
Okay, so that's modifying it a little bit. So um, modifying it down that a Christian should never sue another Christian. Um, now, uh, and, and um, I think I mentioned before, Vincent covers this, and you can look at his on the Shorter Catechism, I think it is, his work on that. But, 1 Corinthians, what was going on in the church in 1 Corinthians? What, what's 1 Corinthians about in, in large part? Yeah, divisions and strife in the church. Okay? So, and, and we've got a church. So, Corinthians is addressed to deal with matters arising in the church. Now, the um, we're in the context of the Eighth Commandment. Can you conceive of it being stealing if you brought a lawsuit to recover what was rightfully yours? You, do you... Can, can, does anybody see a violation of the Eighth Commandment if you are bringing a lawsuit to recover what's yours? No. Okay, okay. So, um, now, boom. That, that's just isolated, right? There, there may be ramifications here. We're going to consider it. Um, one of the problems that was mentioned, and I think Vincent's the one that mentioned it, was that... If a Christian allows himself, never protects himself, as it were, never brings a lawsuit, and, and, and word gets out, hey, you can take from this guy because he'll never sue you. Then obviously, where does that ultimately wind up for the person who won't bring a lawsuit? Potentially. They wind up broke, don't they? People take because they can take advantage. All right? Now, let me back up. Let me back up and ask um, my, my first question. How many, in, in asking that, don't, you don't ever bring a lawsuit what about as to the ungodly, if, if it's you versus the ungodly? Would, how many of you would say that what you believe or what you've heard would apply in that instance, which is what Dr. Sybil went to? All right? So you don't, you don't sue it all. Now, what's... And of course, you know, I've, I've talked about this before in dealing with this. What's to say that the judge you're standing before is not a Christian? So have I now, have I remedied, as it were, some of the problem here, the matter go to law before the unjust? Well, what if... Who I'm standing before, it's a bench trial. The judge is the one making the decision, and he's a believer. He's a very strong believer. Does that remedy the situation? In Corinthians, does that remedy the situation? How many say yes? How many say no? 
Yeah. Does if if I have a saved judge, all right? So I'm I'm suing, and and we'll go to Corinthians. I'm suing my Christian brother, and I'm standing before a judge that is a believer. So I'm in the court, but I have a judge that's a believer. So he's not unjust. Does that remedy what Corinthians was dealing with? No. What's what's Corinthians dealing with? Yeah, well, Christian to Christian, but what's the, what's the ultimate key in Corinthians? As as with any church, testimony in part, John. Okay, that that would be. Or, we, we maybe have bypassed, we haven't exhausted, to put it in legal terms, we haven't exhausted our administrative remedies. <laughs> um, but, what, again, Corinthians in general, the big picture. Corinthians, what's Paul wanting? What's the end? Out of everything he's teaching in Corinthians, what's his goal? Unity. Unity in the church. Unity in the church. Okay. Now, if you're suing somebody in the church, doesn't make for unity. I can just tell you that. Does not make for unity. So we get a problem. Bob? Well, maybe. Legally, you do. That's for sure. All right? Now, let me ask this. Because, again, here's the thing. Here, see, this is where it gets to be a little tricky. Because if you're suing somebody, let's make it easy. Somebody borrowed money from you. Okay? Somebody borrowed money from you, and they didn't pay you back. And, and we won't say they borrowed not intending to pay you back, but they just hadn't paid you back. For whatever reason, they hadn't paid you back. Right? Now, scripturally, what's the first thing when they came to borrow from you? What's the first thing you've got to do? And, and this, is, this is brethren in a church. Right? You, you start getting, but, but do what? See? Well, giving to those that, to ask, but they didn't come asking, and, and they came, say, if you'll loan me this money, I'll pay you back, okay? And we'll do a promissory note. You did a promissory note and stuff. And so the intent was to pay back. But, and, and, and this is part of what I think Paul teaches there in, in the passage in Corinthians. When, that's, when this starts... When the whole scenario starts, you've got to make a judgment call, don't you? You've got to make a decision. And what's the decision? Believer in the church, what's the decision you've got to make? Paul? Okay. 
Good. Paul. Yeah. And 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 that's where is it not better to be defrauded, to lose, and to create division in the church? <laughs> well, if 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 you loan that much, it's just bad on you to start with. <laughs> but see, this is thinking, and and you know sometimes. Sometimes we encourage one another. We help one another get in trouble. You know, you've got it. You know, I come and ask, and I'm your friend, and you loan it to me. Instead of saying, Tim, what do you need this money for? Well, I've got to pay my credit card debt. I'm fixing to get, or I've got to pay somebody else that I borrowed from. Boom. Does that create some alarm bells? Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How's this? I mean, aren't you just trading one debt for another? So how does this help you? And where, when you come, and I don't want, and, and what, do, what are you trying to guard in part? Aren't you trying to guard your friendship and your unity in Christ? Look, I don't, I don't want to create a scenario that's going to drive a wedge between us. You don't pay me back, you're going to start feeling, ah, I, I can't face Tim Farr. And then what happens? Somebody stops coming to church. Or no longer are you having the times of fellowship that you enjoyed. So you, you think ahead. You think ahead. Because what from our scripture passage, our memory passage, what is the most important thing on the earth? And that doesn't mean that it's earthly. In our passage, what is it we are seeking to advance? Always. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of, the kingdom of God takes priority over everything. And whatever you do, and whatever the ramifications are, you got to be thinking, how does this affect the kingdom of God? How does this affect the testimony of my church? How does this affect maybe people taking sides in the church? Because that starts happening. How does this affect my friendships? How does it affect my family? Maybe... Maybe the person that's borrowed the money, maybe their child is best friends with my child. And now maybe it impacts that relationship. Okay? Now, the, the, the frivolous and, and uh, avoiding unnecessary lawsuits, I would agree with Bob here that unnecessary certainly has the connotation of Maybe there's a question. Maybe there's no question. Maybe it's just, as lawsuits sometimes are done, the nuisance value, they call it. Okay? I'm going to sue you because I know it'll cost you $10,000 to defend this action, so I'll get you to settle with me for five. And you save five grand, but I got five grand from you really frivolously, falsely. 
Now that's not the case with every lawsuit by any means. But division in the church and the testimony of, of the believers in general, if I sue another believer who's not in my church, chances are there's not anybody in the county, the state that knows about it, except me and that person, anybody we happen to tell. It's not like it was back in these days when, whoa, Christians suing one I thought I thought they loved one another. I thought they took care of one another. Not going to be that way. It's not going to be on the front page of the paper, most likely. Now, with, with this day and age of all the technological communications and what gets put out there, now it may be a different story. Uh, may, you, it may be that you've got to be even more guarded now than, than you would have had to have been. Uh, I'm not going to say that you can go willy-nilly just filing lawsuits. But I don't believe Scripture teaches that you can never sue someone. Mark? Sure, sure. And, and uh, you know, I mean, submitting to those in authority and the judicial system. I mean, you know, there was a judicial system. Moses, I mean, back when the children of Israel, they had judicial system. So you got to be, uh, you got to be real careful here. Now, again, you think at the end of the day, okay, how does this impact how, if I stand before the Lord, if I'm standing before the Lord, and the Lord says, why? Why did you do that? What are you going to say? And if you've got a scriptural basis to say, I did it because this. And your word says it's okay. Well, if that's the case, fine. But be very careful, and that's all I'm saying. Corinthians just says, be very careful how it impacts the kingdom in any respect, how it impacts the kingdom. So, what does that require me to do? Way back at the beginning, is this a smart thing? Can I lose it? Can I lose it? And, and be okay with it. Because if you lose it and now it impairs your ability to provide for yours. Now the pressure comes. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to take you, you know, to court and it gets tough. And the old devil will work overtime to create the tension to create the tension, but it's realistic. I, um, I had a good time one year when I taught business law out at school, and one of the problems I gave, and, and it would, you know, all right, if you're gonna loan somebody money, my first question was, should you make the loan? Number two, should you give some written documentation? I have a promissory note. Number three, 
Should you get collateral to collateralize this loan? So that if they don't pay, there's something that you can go and take. And number four, what do you do if they don't pay? And I had one smart student who said, if I answer that you shouldn't make the loan, do I have to deal with any of the other questions? <laughs> so, it, it, you know, but it, it was right on point in the sense that I got to decide, do I want to make it? Nothing wrong with having it documented. Nothing wrong with collateral. But the bottom line gets to be, what am I going to do if they don't pay me? So, all right, my time's gone. We'll uh, pick up from there. If you got thoughts or comments and, and save them, we'll, uh, we'll take them next time. Or you can send them to me. You can ask me whatever. And we, I'll be glad to talk about them. Uh, but I, I, I don't think there's any prohibition against lawsuits, certainly in general, even with Christian brethren. But if it's going to split the church, I can tell you up front, you can't do it. If it's going to create rift in the church, God says, no. My kingdom is much more important than yours. And that's kind of what it comes down to. Okay? All right, let's pray. Father, again, we're thankful. We're thankful for the time that we can consider things from your word. We're thankful for the time that we can talk and, and share our thoughts and we can ask for help from Thee to guide and direct us. Lord, we, we desire to, to please Thee and to help one another in all that we do and say. And Lord, that's in these cases, Lord, sharing Scripture and scriptural truths and principles, certainly, but just in whether we make a loan or not and how can we help somebody that may be in financial trouble in a better way, things that we can, we can consider. So, Lord, I pray that you would go before us now and be with us in the time between now and the morning service. I pray that you would bless the fellowship. And then, Lord, help us in our worship. Help us by thy spirit. Lord, especially bless the preaching and hearing and the reading of the word of God. We thank you again for your love. We thank you for Christ our Savior. We're thankful for all that we enjoy because of what Christ has done for us. So go before us. May it be a good and profitable day for thy people. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.